Episode 8 now. Episode 8. Last one was episode 7. Therefore, by definition, episode 8. Very, wow. Very exciting. Come a long way. Good times. You're listening to the More Than Mostly Comedy podcast. Yes. Which is literally what it sounds you like. You hesitated then a little bit. Like, uh, Did I? Like you weren't sure if the, if the podcast was the right word for yeah. a podcast. I, I thought, could I invent a new term for it? And then I thought, no, I'll just say podcast. Yeah. It's generally accepted as um, being a word. Uh, we're dog in F-Grave. We are. Uh, I don't know why I keep doing everything with an upward inflection. Right. You're Australian all of a sudden. I am Australian all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, before we start uh, uh, sharing with you the interviews that we recorded, uh, one of which was tonight, uh, Phil Jupiter's, uh-huh. and the other one is Stuart Laws from a few months back. Yeah. Um, I had some I had some crisps this evening. Did you? Really flat crisps, though. And by which I mean... Flat crisps? The packet was flat. When I, when I oh. took it, they were in the Market Theatre bar, where yeah. we are, and I took them, and they were like, just incredibly flat. The packet had been like... Really? Yeah. So it was quite. So were the crisps inside just? Ruined? No, they were. They were. They were. They were intact. Wow. They were intact, but outwardly the the bag was just sort of flat. So they'd all shape. kind of, kind of gone kind of horizontal. Yeah, I mean they somehow Cold managed bag. to sort of be packaged in such a way that cool. they were all lying flat within the bag. Wow. So I mean, presumably someone had sort of crushed it, mm. but just by pure chance they managed to stay flat enough that they weren't damaged. Wow. And I just thought I'd share that with you, really. Cause it's fascinating. I, I thought it was fascinating. Mm. Uh, flame-grilled steak flavour, but they're vegetarian. Uh, there's no real flame-grilled really? steak in it. So that's good. That's good. For me, because I don't eat meat. Mm. Anyway, so as we said, we've got two interviews to share this evening. The first one uh, was recorded back in March of 2013. I say it like that was a very long time ago. <laughs> back uh, in, way back in March. Do you remember that? Remember that time? That was tired. Uh, great What we days. used to do back in March then? Uh, and this, is a, as, as I think I've said, is an interview with Stuart Laws. Stuart Laws, who is a comic who recently was supporting James A. Castor on his tour, I believe. Yeah, he was. And he runs a production company, doesn't he, for comedy? But he we'll, does. we'll let him tell you that stuff now. So sit back, get comfortable. If you've got one of those reclining chairs where you sort of press a button and the little sort of footstool yeah. comes out, use that now. Make, make a benefit of the fact that you can just relax. It's, it's pressure-free. Mm. Listen to the interview. Stuart Laws. Cool. Well, we're sat here now with Stuart Laws. Hello. Hello. It's very exciting. Uh, we're going to ask you how. What was your background? How did you get into comedy? What was the? How did it start? Uh, a friend of mine started doing it at university. Yeah. And he, we've always done. Like we used to go with our youth group away to like do like a summer like week away, and we used to end up hosting the award ceremony when we were teenagers okay. together. Uh, and he said, "You got to do this." you're funny right <laughs> and I went alright and there was a open mic night in a the corner of an arts cafe in Slough right and I did that and shared the stage with poets and a guy who played not not lead guitar for eight minutes rhythm guitar it just eight really minutes just the, the same just the chord. probably the same four brilliant just for eight minutes and it, he'd, right. he'd do this exciting thing where it would be like it's ending, like it starts slowing it and then mm-hmm. pick it right up again. <laughs> it's really quite exciting. I was going to say, did you have quite a lot of pressure to, to do that night? But obviously following something like that, there probably wasn't. A... I was just going to yeah. ask if the guy played bar chords or whether he was, had he progressed to that stage? Now, if you don't play guitar, this could be an awkward question. I don't play As in, guitar. did he play chords? Now I've had to give that away. <laughs> just by sounding quite knowledgeable. Yeah. By playing yeah. chords up the neck with a... It doesn't really matter. It was just a sort of a side. I don't know. The guy was quite old, so I imagine he may have passed by okay. now. Um, oh, it's become quite sad. Yeah, maybe we should, yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> so, so following, so following <laughs> someone who just does that, then obviously it wasn't particularly nerve. Or was it quite nerve wracking going from not doing stand up to all of a sudden just try, was yeah, it, it was that quite, first time? It was quite nerve wracking. Uh, it was just I had a few, a couple of friends there, and they, one of them laughed really loudly, <laughs> and like I don't think I was that funny, but it was a nice confidence thing yeah. and it helped yeah. to mask the other the other silence in the room uh -huh. and I think gave me enough to keep me going how um, pre-prepared were you for that gig was it did you have sort of material you'd written and yeah you I, wrote, just I wrote like five minutes of stuff right uh, none of it which exists any longer which <laughs> I'm very proud glad of yeah. um, that was due no September 2006 okay okay and yeah, yeah. so did when you so did that did that gig then sort of leap, launch you straight into doing other gigs or was there a kind of a thing of afterwards of going oh did that really do you know I mean were you kind I of basically convinced? played the slough scene okay and then the reading scene uh, and then the maidenhead scene I see what you did there yeah. yeah yeah and then in July 2007 I did my first uh, London gig which was the comedy store gong show and I lasted 42 seconds that's and as scary. I walked on someone just went cut your fucking hair <laughs> and, and that's <laughs> and that was I'd just give up at that point if it was me I think. Yeah. so somebody came with you as well just to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Always nice to have the family along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I imagine yeah. that sort of gig must be incredibly intimidating. I mean, it just yeah, you know, that that did knock me quite a bit. And then the London scene was so sort of different and uh, upsetting in yeah. many ways. Yeah. Um, and it took me about, I'd say, another two two and a half years to sort of get over hating doing it mm, but right. also weirdly loving it is yeah, a yeah. strange thing I mean yeah. you can sometimes hate gigs now but generally I, I enjoy doing it now mm. um, and it's it's only circumstances whereas before it was a real struggle with actually getting up there and going yeah, yeah. I'm not good at this yeah. but I sort of enjoy it I don't know why I'm foisting myself on the audience whereas now I'm incredible so you don't mind voicing yourself on the audience yeah. then <laughs> yeah did you have like a performance background before that, or was it just sort of something you wanted to do? No, I run a production company, and the, my only sort of uh, yeah, I'm interested in making films and yeah. comedy and all of that stuff. And the only reason I ever performed was because me and my filming partner in crime didn't have access to many other actors or anyone we felt confident enough to go hey give us your afternoon whilst you make a short film that no one's ever going to see because that was in the days when we'd output to VHS mm, right. and when we got to output to DVD that was a massive massive deal yeah, yeah. Um, and so I only they, my only performing experience was in my own stuff which was very useful because I got to sort of edit my own face right. and go well, that's why you're bad there because you do that face and yeah. that sort of helped me quite a bit to understand what yeah can be funny about I think face. That's what helps us in a sense because there's two of us. You sort of self-edit as you go because yeah, you're always yeah. aware of the other side of it as well. Right? Whereas I think if we were just doing it on our own, it'd be hugely well more intimidating, but also harder to get to the point where you're happy yeah. with it because yeah, you, yeah. You, you know what I mean. You're not and I think we still do that as well. We video every show we do, yeah. but a comedy night we do, and we sort of watch back the material and say, yeah, you, you can, re yeah, always naked, always <laughs> naked, always <laughs> masturbating. But yeah, Sorry, you forward it on to me as well. Yeah, right? yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just to check. Uh, but it, you have to. I think. I, you have, I think it's always good to watch yourself, as cringy as it can be. Mm. It's actually quite mm. nice to, to go. Yeah, I, I shouldn't do that when I say that. Or you I get past really. the irritation about seeing yourself as well, and just yeah. sort of accept it. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the reverse is true for like really new acts now. Is they get so excited that they're doing stand up that they put up anything yeah, yeah. Yes. online. And you yes. Go, like I, I still see like 
loads, well, almost every performance I do now, if I record it, I watch it back and go, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought I was better than that. <laughs> yeah. And so I think if you're really new, that's you're yeah. putting up really questionable. It's dangerous material. because then that stays around as well. So yeah, yeah. You, you can you can become really good, but people can still watch that really crap video of you, and then yeah. that's it. Then we're a little bit guilty of that. Yeah, we, we are a little bit guilty of that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. It does, and I've yeah. gone through like. Like, like I, I did a web series called Becoming Batman based on uh, a local news story that said we need Batman to protect our village. It was front page and it was ridiculous because that village was Chalfont St. Peter, one of the most middle class areas in, <laughs> in, in the world. Yeah. And so we did like a mockumentary of me becoming Batman right. and people can't see me but I'm quite weedy and inappropriate for that. And we did like... Uh, like 14 episodes first series of mm. like me training sort of learning the different styles and things like that and the newspaper followed it completely um, and as it we didn't reveal who we were and as it got to the end of that series we built up a quite you know a following one episode of like 80,000 views wow. and things like that and the final episode we were putting credits on it and as we were doing that I was going I think people are going to actually Google me for the first time ever <laughs> if we see this and I yeah, suddenly yeah. went I'm going to have a little look at what videos are up. Yeah. Delete, 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 yeah. delete, 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 yeah. tab. Yeah. But it's nice, to, yeah. I mean, we do a similar thing, but it's nice to have the facility to do all of that and create yeah. your own stuff yeah. and put yeah. it on as you want to put it on and all that thing. Yeah. So yeah. That was, was that how you sort of started doing that? And then, or did that come as a result of doing comedy that you set up a production company or were you doing that? I set up a production company uh, out of school, so 18. Right. Oh, so okay. just I'd finished 10 years okay. in business, um, which is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the comedy was just purely got forced into so that was it's almost seven years ago now right? mm. six you, and a half years ago yeah. do you prefer what do you prefer doing do you prefer performing or do you prefer being on the other side of something but getting how you want or a bit of both or working to camera or off camera really what's I mean it's yeah it's a bit like what I try and do in stand up I try to do something really different something that is purely in the room yeah. and feel like wouldn't translate so well to video which is probably a terrible business strategy <laughs> but I had tried to make something that is I mean I, you know I do I do seven gigs a month so I'm not yeah. I'm not a, the king at this at all but that's I, that's what I attempt to do anyway yeah. it's about six um, more than we do so yeah <laughs> yeah um, so yeah I like to try and do diff, different things in each thing I really yeah. love film and yeah. you know video and the internet has been really good to sort of enable you to get stuff out there and, and yeah. get an audience yeah. and build your own audience which is exciting when we're probably you know the first generation of comedians yeah. that can or stand up performers who can generate their own audience like that and mm. supply content and yeah. that is a, a bit of a game changer yeah what I sort of find exciting about it is if the day comes when you have sort of more success with it there's going to be so much stuff there for people to have a look at they yeah. want to look at it you know, exactly so, yeah which I think is a good thing yes you know, we probably should end there because yeah. it's about to start absolutely so, yeah, yeah. To talk to us. Thank, thank you very much and nothing else that's it <laughs> <laughs> that was Stuart Laws certainly was mm. And if you like Stuart Laws, and you should, uh, you can check him out by just Googling his name. It's probably the best thing. It he is. does have a, a sort of blog website, doesn't he? He does indeed, yeah. He has a he does have a blog. It's a WordPress thing. I'm just looking it up now, actually, as we speak. Yeah. StuChopsLaws.wordpress.com, there it is. And if you can't remember that, just, just Google his name. Yeah, do that. Um, there was something I was going to say. What was I going to say to you? What were you going to say? Oh, uh, I'll, I'll save it in a moment. It's not oh, that exciting. I'm very uh, excited. Next up, we have our interview with uh, Phil Jupiter, which is very exciting. It's the first mm. time we've had him at Mostly Comedy. Uh, someone we've been after for 
good, the best part of a year, really. Yeah. Yeah. So it was amazing to have him here. There was a moment during the show when uh, Glenn was watching it, and I sort of whispered in his ear, "As Phil Jupiter's there, as Phil Jupiter's on stage." It was an intimate moment, actually. It was quite. Uh, was it when I put my hands around you? I think waist? it was the hands around my waist. Just that really yeah. sensitive bit, and the whispering yeah. in my ear all at the same time. It was um, there was a tongue involved, touching. not not my tongue. Um, yeah, so it was very exciting having Phil Jupiter's here. Yeah. He was lovely, and we had a lovely chat with him. We did. Unfortunately, we had a bit of a technical issue. There, yeah. were, there was a, a bit of a gremlin in the works. But, and I, when I say gremlin, I mean not when they're still fluffy, but when you add water and they turn nasty. Yes. Basically, we had a technical problem. Uh, there's a bit of a sound issue that goes on. We're going to try and do our best to disguise that. Mm-hmm. But uh, just going to cough very loudly yeah. every time it happens. And, and we're going to dub it. Basically, yeah. how is your Phil Jupiter's impression? Do you think you could... I can I can work on my accent. I need to I need to work on the on okay. me. Well, I won't even try. I was going to try and do it, and I won't even, I won't try and do one. <laughs> Just in case he listens, be very insulting. Be very embarrassing. Yeah. And it's a shame because we had a lovely chat with him. But they're he saying did. that we will make the best of it, and you may miss a bit of the chat, but it doesn't matter because it's still entertaining. So if you're still sat in your reclining chair, um, I don't know if you've still got the footstool out. Uh, I would have. Would you? Oh yeah. If you're going to recline a chair, you've got to have the footstool out. Think, mm. but. The th- this is just a fact. I think mm. if ever, you know, like when you get in diaries, yeah. in the bottom of a page, there's like a quote from a famous person on yeah. each page. Yeah. That should be your quote for the day. What's that? Whatever you just said. Was it, <laughs> if I ever had a chair. If I, if I have a chair that reclines, so I going to have the footstool out. Yeah. That should be your quote at the bottom of a diary page. That's my, my quote for the day. Can you say it again one more time? If I ever had a reclining chair, <laughs> I'd always make sure I had the footstool out. It's profound. It mm. works on many levels. You know. Uh, much like the footstool. Yeah. Um, so uh, sit back, recline, if you've got a reclining chair, as Glyn would say. I really want one now. Yeah, get the footstool out mm-hmm. and listen to TV and radio's Phil Jupiter's. So we're sat here in the Market Theatre with Phil Jupiter's. We are indeed. Hi, Phil. Hello. Gentlemen, how are you? We're very good. How are you? I, I, I'm, we, we, well, uh, before, for everyone listening to the podcast, hello. If at any point we are buffering, we apologise. That's not <laughs> our fault. It's your bandwidth. Yeah. Shoot the messengers, but we uh, were just discussing whether I'm giggling Hitchin or not before. Yeah, because me being 51 and me having a fairly shabby memory, <laughs> uh, which I wish I could blame blame on uh, cocaine. But I've yeah. been a father for 23 years, so I'm blaming my children. Oh really? How far who can do you a actually, lot of cocaine? No, how far can you remember back? Um, I, <laughs> I think the journey here okay. is already becoming hazy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was I, it the M3? I sense like it wasn't. No. Is that just through fatherhood that's, that's done that to you then? I think you I, do. It, oh. You'd be really surprised. I've just become a father, so... Ah! I, <laughs> ah. I'm, I'm scared. Hence, look at you, fresh face. Really? <laughs> Don't what, um, um, you girl or boy? No, a boy. A boy? Yes. Yeah, they're the easier option. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Come on. Boys are not as much trouble as the no-tails. <laughs> Girls are nightmarish. Oh, God. I speak as a father. <laughs> really. I mean, mine are terrific fun, but... Yeah. That it's actually the admin of girls is so much more. You know. Okay. Mm. Oh, wow. Because because we know women like to talk. Mm-hmm. Put you know put the facility of women like to talk in a child. <laughs> children really like to talk. Female children. Wow. Wow. It's like a Gatling gun of <laughs> inane banter that I've been subjected to for decades. How many uh, kids do you have? Two daughters. Yeah. Okay. Oh, who wow. are twenty. So in and stereo. 23, and, mm. and thankfully now both abroad. Okay. Oh. A young lady has just come in and has turned Hello. immediately round because she was brandishing a crate. <laughs> and she uh, was scared. I She's think gone. she felt she was serving 
the podcast, which is nice. And they left the door open. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. So I read online that Hello. you started out working in a job centre. Yes, right? indeed. Yeah, and I was a civil servant from uh, when I left sixth from college. Oh, really? All of my mates went to uni, but I, um, I basically dicked up my A levels. Really, I right. just didn't pick the right things to do, okay. and then just didn't take any. Yeah. So I ended up being six from college for two years and getting two more O levels, and so I just became a civil servant. Right. Uh, because there was nothing else for me to do, um, and yeah, yeah, I did. I did that for five years. Right. Okay. Were they fun times, or were they just get through this? Well, bear in mind time? this. So this was. Uh, so it was nineteen eighty. It was. I started mm. in July of nineteen eighty as uh, as a civil servant. So you've got to bear in mind this was Thatcher. The recession had really kicked in. Mm, yeah. Unemployment was sort of raging. It was a very odd time to be in mean, employment. Yeah. And looking after people who were sort of losing their jobs because there was this weird dichotomy of people would, if someone come in and they'd lost their jobs and weren't expecting to, they'd be, you know, as, as anyone is when that happens, just completely just broken. Mm. And then some people would come in doing a little jig, doing mm. a little dance because they, they had time to their hands or they'd got a really good redundancy deal. Yeah. I mean, laughing. Some people were actually mm. laughing with the fact <laughs> they'd become unemployed right. with some of that because I, um, I'm from Essex, and the bit of Essex I'm down at is near all the big oil refineries, and so their uh, their redundancy deals. When guys were laid off from Shell and Mobil, mm. they just <laughs> they got such good financial packages out the back, especially if they worked for a few years. So mm, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Some of them were like getting fifty, forty, right. fifty grand. Really amazing at the wow. time. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Paul's win. But um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it was it was weird, uh, but I mean, it funded things I love, which were going to. Um, going to see um, comedy I saw Alexi Sale on his first UK tour Rowan Atkinson oh, wow. I used to go and see Neil Innes a lot okay. mm. Hale and Pace before they were Hale and Pace were in a group who had a residency at the Woolwich tram shed called Foundation mm-hmm. who were uh, am I, I mean, how's the swearing on this fine. No, fine, fucking okay. hilarious really. <laughs> were really really uh, exceptional oh, wow. sketch comedy group okay. uh, and then they became Hale and Pace and with them being on ITV I think yeah, yeah. And staying on ITV, mm. I think they they kind of snookered themselves in terms of what they thought they did. If they did that stuff on BBC Two, that kind mm. of edgy, mm. there was some sort of really weird thing they did with kittens in a microwave or something. I don't know, <laughs> or some kind of gag, whatever it was. But I think they'd have they'd have just they'd still be going now. I think, right? Yeah. Rather yeah. than you know, yeah. I think the ITV comedy thing can be a bit of a poison chalice unless you handle it right. Yeah. It's not really, really associated with comedy. No, I think that's it. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. It, they're coming back in a big way now, aren't they? With all there's a, quite a lot of comedy stuff. Well, I mean, Feather, obviously, as as, yeah. as 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 what happens is that now, but you've, we're in a post Murdoch television world mm, yeah. where there's so many channels, and oh. now people there's no more uh, uh, security of work. You know, yeah. you used to get a job at the BBC, and you had a job for life. Mm. Right. Yeah. And and some people still cling to that notion that that's what it's like, but yeah. um, people are on short-term contracts at the BBC, yeah. and so they are. What they look to do is to make an impression, and they're more. They're too worried about numbers. Mm. It's they're too worried about the short game in television these days. Yeah. Right, yeah. And what happens is if you get the hit, stick with it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. rather, no one plays the long game anymore in telly, no. which I think is quite sad. Yeah. In a way, you know. Yeah. There's. It's, it's like you used to be able to. It was times when you—it's know, like the first series of Python wasn't really that good. But they yeah, said, oh, yeah. "I'll do another." 
Well, isn't it as Maybe well? They were just yeah. basically given the series on the back of John Cleese being yeah. a big name, just do what you want, really. Yeah, right, yeah, what you want yeah, yeah, so that would never ever happen. No, no. yeah. No. And to I mean, sort of it's really weird, but things like, I mean, I talked to Neil Innes, who was sort of like, is the de facto seventh Python. Yeah. And I'm in a band with Neil called the Idiot Bastard Band, Neil, uh, Roland Riveron, Aid Edmonton, and myself. Right. Okay. Uh, and um, chatting to him about, about those, I mean, he had the Innes Book of Records, two series on BBC Two. Right, yeah. And it, imagine that, that yeah, now. Yeah. You're a musical comedian yeah. and yeah. six songs a week and you'll do like videos about them. Yeah. Firstly, there's not the money. Yeah. Secondly, it's like, what, what sort of numbers is that going to get? Is the first question yeah. they're going to ask. And it's like, yeah, yeah. there was just... I remember when I was growing up, there was much more quirky shit on telly. Mm. And that's yeah, where yeah. The, original, the originality was in television. The weird yeah. stuff, the yeah. odd stuff. The, um, I used to show her... There was a sitcom set in a French village at the turn of the century, I think, called Cloche Merle. Okay. I remember watching that when I was a kid. You know. Right, yeah, yeah. It's but so sad because that, that variety is gone. There's no variety yeah. of different type of, types of comedy. New things don't really get a chance because you no. say you're not prepared to let something grow into something. Yeah. Just well, the thing, and it's, uh, it's a post-satellite TV, post-internet world as well. So mm-hmm. now what you get is a situation where you can get a girl like Miranda Sings in America yeah. can make her career on YouTube, yes, can yeah. build a fan base yeah. by yeah. people thinking it's a real girl who can't fucking sing, yeah. tr- being trolled, yeah. Yeah. and just literally setting up People that hate her against people that love her, yeah. Yeah. and then now she's tours the yeah, world. It's amazing, with that isn't act. it? She does gigs badly applied, bad, badly applied lipstick, yeah. uh, right, badly yeah. sung songs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. hat full of attitude. Yeah, yeah. brilliant, yeah. just brilliant. It is, yeah. And I suppose we're starting to live in a world now where people don't really watch the telly in the way they used to because it's more about on demand. Yeah, you sort of, you know, yeah. you use Netflix yeah. or whatever. No, I mean there was that it. odd situation where it's, it's, it's. I find it hilarious that to this day, you know. Um, there was a fair few I mean about 10 years ago a lot of the television reviewers were still yeah. the old television reviewers right. who were still thinking about television in terms of three channels yeah mm. yeah you know you know um, mm. and it would be your programme's shit because 16 million people aren't watching you is yeah, what they yeah. say about any comedy show mm. wow 16 million people yeah. used to watch more and wise 16 million people yeah. had no alternative yeah mm. Other than, you know, what should we have? Upstairs, downstairs, yeah. or the whales on BBC Two? What should we have? Yeah. Yeah. Should we have more common wise, upstairs, mm. downstairs, or should we have, you know, yeah. what are we going to go for? Yeah. And so it was th- that. That was the choice yeah. that they were yeah. faced with, you know. And so um, now, with there being so much, it's, it's the ratings now are so precise. I remember someone talking to me about a certain point in an episode of Buscox. Oh, you, oh, you got two, three. Just then, it was two, three. Right. Really? What? And I'm like, are they actually doing that? Are they actually judging like the ratings moments. at a certain point? I know. I mean, when I was at Six Music, they yeah. were talking about reach. Mm. Uh, what they talk about the radio rating they want is how long the listeners stay with you. It's right. not how many people listen. Yeah. It's of the people that listen to you, how long they stay listening to your show. And they went, well, see, Phil, your ratings are low, but they stay with you right. for like your average listener stays with you. For 57 minutes, and that's great. That's ridiculous. How do they and even know? Yeah. I don't even understand how they know. Well, that was the weird thing. It was like when I was at the Beeb and I was at Six Music, you know, I launched it in 2002, March the 11th, not that I'm counting. And um, <laughs> for the first three years, there, there was no radar, didn't have a way of ca- calculating listeners right. for digital radios because no yeah. one had them. Oh. The whole radar rating system is based on diaries and people keeping diaries of what they listen to on the radio. Mm. Radio ratings are, I reckon, the most inaccurate ratings of any... <laughs> I don't know how radar have got away with it for years. I reckon yeah. that there is no credence to what they have. Because yeah. we had quite a few listeners 
And but I, I know that, that for the first two years, ninety percent of our listeners were online. And mm-hmm. I remember Ray just saying, Yeah, we don't count online listening because that's that's an anomalous. And I'm like, Well, that's, a digital that's where our yeah. listeners are. Yeah. At this point, we're just going to jump in on the interview there. Uh, this is the point when it started to get a bit gremlin-tastic. Yes, it does. Uh, so we're going to switch to Glyn's iPhone. What make of iPhone do you have? I had an iPhone 5. I had. I have, in fact, an what? iPhone 5. Something happened between <laughs> yeah. us recording. It, it was here. It's burnt down now. Yeah. Uh, no, we've got, I had a, yeah, we, we switched to my iPhone 5 because something wasn't working right. Uh, Phil didn't notice any of this. No. Uh, and uh, here is that recording. He was too famous for us to ask him to do it again, really. Yeah. So let's carry on now. And I just want to ask you as well, do you, you occasionally gig with the Blockheads, don't you? I used to, n- right. not anymore, no. Okay. Um, and, and part of that, it was just that they asked me, basically. Right. They, um, um, after Ian's death, they did their first ever gig without him at Dingwalls. And um, Mickey Gallagher phoned me up and he said, would you come DJ the gig for us right. before we go on? And, and it was like, yeah. And when I got there on the night, I was all sitting up and he went, he went, would you come on in the old bar and sing a couple of the... And it's like a band you watched when you were 19 yeah. asking if you could sing. Do, do you need the words? I don't need the words. Yeah. I, I know the words. <laughs> and, that, and that was... And I, so I did that a few times and we did the 30th anniversary tour of New Boots and Panties. Right. The release of New Boots and Panties. Um, which was just absurdly... 2007, that was just a, an unbelievable privilege to kind of be how did it feel to do it I mean wasn't it was it pressured because if it is something like that you love so no, much no the thing is is it's like they've asked you to do it you know how to sing it mm, right, yeah. Mickey said he said uh, he said uh, the, the different thing about having you do it Phil is you never forget the words Ian used to forget the words all the fucking time and he wrote them right yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do have I've got a really good if you've got if you get, there's a special edition of the live album Wants an Audience, which was recorded at the Brixton Academy. Right. And uh, on the special edition, it's got six bonus tracks that weren't on the original version okay. of uh, Wants an Audience. And um, the version of Reasons to be Cheerful, he, he, Ian loses his way to the extent where at one point, I think, he basically goes, folks. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but it's so funny. I remember reading a story about uh, a, boot, a bootleg Beatles gig, and George Harrison went along to it, mm. and, and he was, they were sort of jamming backstage. And obviously, George was asking the bootleg Beatles what the chords were because they only ever played it once in a studio. Yeah, it's that crazy it's thing, I suppose. Something that you really obsess about. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you think, well, they must know it inside out because yeah. I know it inside yeah. out. But there's they, that many things afterwards. Well, yeah, they just do a thing in the studio and then yeah. they go. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it's, it was. Um, the, it's very weird to to do. To, to work with people who you're a fan of, you know, going on yeah. tour with Billy Bragg was, was right. gave yeah. me my reason to quit my day job. And if it wasn't for Billy, I wouldn't be sat in front of you now. He's right. and I'm gigging with him this Sunday, uh, or no, a week Sunday at the yeah. Royal Festival Hall. You know, he's right. someone that, that that you know, 31 years on, I'm still right. doing shows with. He's still, you know, we still. Hanging out together. And doing Did you tell him that he was that influence on you? you well, no. Thankfully, I got to do it in a. Uh, I was interviewed once in the press, and I said, and I kind of said, he's he is the reason, you know. And uh, he, yeah, he kind of found out. Went, well, thanks, mate. <laughs> you are very welcome. <laughs> no, thank you. But I mean, you, the one of the uh, one really weird thing was when Neil Innes asked us to go on tour with the Bonzo Dog Doo Dog and now. And in fact, uh, the the last album they did for the Love of Dogs. 
Yeah. And it's we 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 listed we're credited as members of the band. Right. The new we me Stephen Fry and Adrian Evanson are called the New Millennium Bonzos. Wow. <laughs> and it was just so. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. such a, for a fact, me and Aid on tour would just pinch each other. And go, <laughs> right. We're fucking in the bottom of the band. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd get I'd get every night to dress up like Elvis, right, and sing in the canyons of your mind, right. But okay, which, yeah. Do you remember the way Morgan and Wise when they used to play stagehands? They used to wear those brown coats and caps. Yeah. I had um, Roger Ruskin Spears' sons would would wear that outfit and, right. and would carry me on like unconscious, but in a full Elvis with the cape. Right. and the sunglasses and everything <laughs> <They're quite laughs> and carry me out it's, if you look on if you go um, Jupiter's Bonzo Dog Doodah Band Canyons of Your Mind you'll find footage of it okay. oh, and on YouTube which someone took I think in Edinburgh right and it was uh, it was just absurd such, yeah. such good Definitely. fun to yeah. do because yeah. I'm and when I was six um, my auntie Pat had a pub in Knightsbridge and the Bonzos used to drink in there Right. And so when I was six, I got introduced to Legs Larry Smith of the Bonzos. A fact which I keep reminding me of when I was mm. singing for the band. <laughs> Just keep saying, I six, I was six. Yeah. As, but as anyone from the it's as and, and the tr- it's a truism, you know, if mm. you can remember the 60s, you weren't there. Mm. And I say, and he, he remembered my Uncle Graham, to his, to his credit, you know. Mm. Graham, yeah, lovely boy, lovely boy. They're all posh and old, it's weird. Right. It's like going on tour... With, with retired headmasters. Right. It's like going to a Grand Jewel reunion now. <laughs> it's really, and there was this lovely moment when we were um, going to the Newcastle gig from Leicester, going up the A1, and we were all sat on the tour bus, and I remember hearing them. They, just, they, they used to start muttering. It's around here somewhere. It's around here somewhere. There she is, there she is. And they spotted the Angel of the North. Right, as we were coming up the A1, mm. and they all stood up and applauded. They really? gave the Angel of the North a, a standing ovation because it's such a piece of, art. and they're all art teachers. And so they were, oh, Mark! And it was like being at Lords and someone getting a six. <laughs> they all, all of them, stood up on the bus. And it's weird. I was around Neil Linus's house the other day because we, we're doing this project together, and um, he showed me some of his paintings. Right. Fucking amazing artist. Right. Just does everything. Realise that, you know. But all of them, yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. art school. That's what yeah. they met, you know. Like most of those sort of bands at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever ask them about Magical Mystery Tour? Because they were. I, you know what? The thing is, is with Neil, is it's sit with him and be quiet, and then let it. Happen. I remember, I remember him. He'll be chatting about it. He'll be, he'll be, he'll be sort of you know, quiet, sort of you know, gently chatting away, and he'll go. Well, it was like that time with Jimi Hendrix, and it's like, it's <laughs> called Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you just kind of, you know, I, yeah. I, seriously, I do everything but actually get popcorn out and just sit and watch it <laughs> when, he's, when, he, when he starts, and he's like, yeah. um, it was like anything, he's got loads of Beatles stories, loads, because the Beatles used to, used to go and see the Bonzos, or the, the Bonzos, the Beatles, the band the Beatles go and see when they're on a night out, yeah, yeah. they go and see the Bonzos. Yeah. And so it's like all four of them would turn up yeah. at the speakeasy or wherever if the Bonzo's were on, just, you know. And so... Which yeah. is madness, isn't it? Imagine yeah. playing with the Beatles. Yeah, that and that's mental. pressure. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they're there to watch you because that's what they just want yeah, to do. Yeah. But, 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 it's, but that's it, but it's just their contemporaries. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, you know... Yeah, true. They, they were just, you, everyone was working at the same time. Yeah. It's just they're, they're the ones that... Because yeah. the Beatles, you know, it's... 
at the time the Beatles were the Beatles but they weren't the Beatles now as we revered this mythic kind yeah, of yeah. I find it really weird I was listening to the radio was on the other day I don't know if it was 6 Music or Radio 2 when they they, stayed, they, they went they went they said could there be a Beatles reunion and I'm like well, uh, no I'm really <laughs> sure the, the, yeah. I, I think that for a reunion you must have uh, if if you're a four piece band yeah. a reunion has to be three yeah, yeah. but yeah, then I suppose I mean, you've got yeah. the who haven't you you've got where it's just it's just, it, it, it's just the two of them let them call themselves the who and everyone yeah. knows what it is but, it's not a reunion but if though, Ringo it, really? and Paul went out I know, it's just, as yeah. the Beatles that's weird no yeah. that would be John, no. John and Paul at a push you see the thing is <laughs> yeah. it's like it's it's because, and also the Who did it very gradually with Mooney dying when he yeah, did yeah true, true and then yeah. Kenny coming in mm. and so there's and also the, the coming and going the coming and going is yeah. quite gradual mm. and so for years it was the three of them with yeah. various drummers still working as the Who so when the Ox went as well yeah. it was a bit more organic yeah. but I've, I've, I've got a certain kind of <laughs> <laughs> I always think it's better if you don't I saw yeah. the specials Reunion tour, right. you know, Jerry was not dead. Jerry wasn't there, and I felt the absence of him. Yeah, they were brilliant, but you felt the absence of the man who kind of created mm. the whole reason they were there. It mm. felt weird. I loved it. I fucking loved it. Yeah. It felt sort of wrong, you know. Yeah. It's a bit like I went to see a Frank Sinatra show where they had like the full sort of band on stage, and obviously everything but Frank, and yeah. they sort of do stuff where they move screens around with him on and stuff. Yeah. It's a really sort of strange thing when the gig starts and you think, we're all waiting for this performer and the one performer we're really waiting to see isn't here. Yeah, yeah, so he's yeah. not sat in the dressing room. I, did the, I remember doing um, gigging, uh, we did a couple of Kirsty McCall tribute gigs, we were at right. Festival and uh, Shepherds Bush and, and it's with her, her whole band. It, be, it was sort of like karaoke, really. It was right. just mates of would get up, Tracy Orman, right. they don't know, and Chip Shop. Uh, Phil Rambo who played on Chip Shop played and right. uh, um, it was brilliant it was really good fun but but I remember talking to Pete Glenister and Dave Ruffy and they went it's really weird because you're in the middle of the game you're playing a song you're playing a set mm. in the same old machine and you're just playing and you, when you start doing the intro you're just mm. you're waiting for it to come on right. yeah. he said as a, someone in a band mm. You, wait, you have these moments where you kind of every you just think she's going to come on, yeah. and you and then there's this awful moment when you realise she's not. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just so sad, yeah. but but terrific fun to to she was such a laugh, genuine laugh, right, Kirsty to hang about with. I was I was you know just um, before uh, just before we lost her, it was like I was I did I did a, an interview with her for a website, you know, garden. Right. Mm. right in the middle of the year. and we sat sort of like, like sort of like this really, yeah. but, but being filmed oh. uh, for the website and we're just sitting and chatting and a pigeon shat right on my leg as you sat there. <laughs> I mean but it, this pigeon wasn't well <laughs> oh, he was, had a jippy tummy she fucking laughed like a drain right. <laughs> yeah and she says lucky I was like fucking pigeon you <laughs> <laughs> can fly now <laughs> Anyway, we better stop. Yeah, we, do. we, yeah, just, we yeah. can talk forever. Yeah, though, but no, yeah, so no. Dear boys, thank you yeah. so much. Thanks, Thanks so much for coming. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Cheers, man. So that was Phil Jupiter's. Phil Jupiter's. We could have talked to him for hours. Honestly, I felt, I really felt like we wanted to kind of 
we should have gone on yeah. uh, it, longer with that. It was really a real shame to have to cut it, wasn't it? Because we recorded it as well in the interval of the show. And yeah. we were, I think we were both aware of the fact that it was getting later and later. Mm. The audience was sat, sat there chanting, we won't feel. They got quite we aggressive. Won't. They, they did quite aggressive, yeah. I believe someone was doused in, in petrol. There was Glenn's got that. a text. That's, I've got a text. Uh, that's from the petrol dowser saying, can I please invoice for the petrol that I used? Mm. Uh, but we managed to bring it back and then Phil went on and was great. Yes. Um, so yeah, that was episode eight of the More Than Mostly Comedy podcast. I enjoyed it with, with Gremlins and all. I yeah. still enjoyed it. It was great, mm. um, and that's only really sincere. It was great. I meant that. <laughs> um, you can always listen to the other episodes of the podcast, which are up available on iTunes and via the Mostly Comedy website. Mm-hmm. You probably know that already because you've already found this to know in the first place. But they feature such people as uh, Sean Hughes, who was the other original Buzzcocks captain, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, Phil Kay, Richard Herring, Richard Herring, um, and lots more. Yes. So do have a listen. Um, I, I need to burp, so if you could just cover this. <coughs> just talk, just talk. Da- da- David's burping. It's cleared. It's Good, cleared. he's done did it. We, I am as another one. Did I, did I cover it? If I cover it well enough by se- telling people that David's burping, I David's think burping. hearing the description of a burp is a lot less offensive than hearing the burp. I, th- I agree. Which is good. Um, in case you happen to be listening to this in January of 2014, before the next Mostly Comedy, just to let you know that next month we have James A. Castor coming back here. Mm-hmm. The following month we have Richard Herring, so do book your tickets. If not, we're going to have someone on. They're going to be good. Yeah. You need to book It'll tickets. still be going. It'll still be on. It'll be happening. Until one or both of us die in a comedy-related accident, it will still be running. Yeah. Um, and on that depressing note, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the More Than Most Comedy podcast. Follow us on Twitter at doggitfgrave, one word. You can follow us separately as well if you can find us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it, really. You can now undo the footstool. Well, you know what I mean. Press the button. So you can press back. the button, recline it. Sometimes you have to use a little bit of force. Sometimes yeah. it takes a little bit of kind of leg force. You've got to, to basically kind of push it back work in with the gravity. You've got to yeah. give it a bit of push. You've got to make sure and, you lean forward and push. And if we could just end this podcast, if you could really just enunciate it in Joycling, could you just give us your diary quote one last time? If you ever have a reclining chair, I'd always make sure I had the footstool out. Profound. Listen to us again soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>